fellowship with God, but we walk in the darkness, we lie. We're not practicing the truth. If we continue to willfully do what we know we shouldn't do, we're not really in fellowship with God at all. But verse 7 says, if we walk in the light, that's what we're talking about. If we walk in the light as he, God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So how do I walk in the light, have fellowship with God, with other believers? How do I do that? That's what we're going to be talking about. It all starts here, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him that is God a liar and his word is not in us. John compares our relationship with God to walking in the light, the intimacy that we should have, not just about being saved and going to heaven, but the intimate walk that we should have with God. As we're going to see in this series, this walking in the light includes knowing, knowing where you stand with God, knowing that you're forgiven, knowing that your prayers are being heard, knowing that you have power to overcome temptation, knowing that God is with you. That's what happens when you walk in the light. So let's begin by examining how can I consistently walk, start walking in the light. And I'm just going to tell you two things here. And the first thing is this. To consistently walk in the light, I must come to grips with my sin. I'm a sinner. A lot of people don't like that word. I don't use it all the time. But sin is breaking the law of God, doing things we shouldn't do. I must come to grips with my sin. There's an old joke about a children's Sunday school teacher. So at church, and there's little kids, and they're being taught, being taught a lesson, and, and, the, and the teacher says, kids, what, we mu what must we first do or do first in order to be forgiven of sin? The little boy raised his hands. He said, well, first you have to sin. And, and that's true. And we're pretty good at that. First you have to sin. We're pretty good at sinning. Secondly, you have to acknowledge. You have to admit that you've sinned. You have to face it. We're really not as good at that part. Now, if I was to ask who in this room is perfect, I don't think any one of you would raise your hand. You'd all say, nope, I'm not perfect. But when we begin talking about the specifics of our sins, all of a sudden there's all these extenuating circumstances, you know. Uh, I know I'm not perfect, but, you know, what I do is pretty understandable, there's extenuating circumstances. I lost my temper, uh, but, but it, it really wasn't my fault. You know, I, I wasn't wrong in that. You made me do it, or I'm under a lot of stress at work, or I haven't been feeling well recently, or you really got what you deserved. I mean, I, I'm sorry I did it exactly that way, but you got what you deserved. That attitude prevents us from experiencing God's forgiveness that attitude prevents us from having an intimate relationship with the Father in heaven. Fact is, the entire world is falling apart because nobody wants to admit they're wrong about anything. It's always somebody else's fault. But by asking God to forgive you, you're willing to own your little part of the mess, and it puts you in a good relationship with God. That, this is where walking in the light begins. So let's, let's, those three verses at the end of chapter 1 are pretty important. First John chapter 1, verse 8 says this. 
If we say or if we claim we have no sin, there's no sin in me, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This speaks about our sinful nature in general. Then we drop down to verse 10. Verse 10 says if we say that we have not sinned, we have not committed acts of sin, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. So verse 10 talks about our behavior. One talks about our nature. The other talks about our behavior. And we have to come to grips with both of those things. Come to grips with our sin. Coming to grips is called confession. Confessing our sins. That's what we have to do in order to walk in the light. Verse 9, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says then this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So coming to grips with our, my sin nature and my sinful acts means I confess my sin. The word confess literally means to say the same thing. So confession is this. Confession is saying the same thing about our behavior that God says about it. Not, not making excuses for it, not blaming it on somebody else, but whatever God calls it, I call it that. Whatever God's attitude is towards it, that's my attitude. Com confession means that we stop deluding ourselves. We stop excusing ourselves. We stop justifying ourselves, and we come clean about who we are. I, I always am a little bit intrigued by these big corporate lawsuits that you see from time to time in, in which a, a big company pays out a large sum of money with this stipulation. XYZ company admits no wrongdoing. We're, we're cutting a check for $5 million just because we feel like that's the best thing to do, but XYZ company admits no wrongdoing. And we often have the same attitude with God. You know, we say to God, look, I'll pray certain prayers, and I'll sing the songs, and I'll show up uh, on Sunday, and I'll do my best to be good. I don't intend to be admitting any sin. There's no way I'm, you're going to get me to admit that I'm at least as good as the rest of these people are around here, or a little bit better than most of them. There's no way you're going to get me to admit that my wife isn't mostly responsible for the stuff that goes on in my life. There's no way you're going to get me to admit that, that yeah, maybe I might have shortchanged my boss or manipulate people or, or, or lie or whatever. That attitude is, is this. You know what that attitude is like? I'll pay the fine, but I'm not admitting any wrongdoing. I'll try to do all the good stuff, but I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong because there are extenuating circumstances that keeps us outside of that dynamic, intimate fellowship with God. If you want to walk in the light, and if I want to, we have to take a good long look at ourselves. We have to see ourselves the same way God sees us. We have to come to grips with who we are and what we've done. We have to confess that to him. We have to agree with him, not making any excuses, not, God, I wouldn't have done it if, if this or if that person hadn't been around or this or that or something else. Now, just let all that go. And you just go to God. It's my fault. I did it. I confess it to you. And you know what happens next? What happens next is this. I can rely on God to cleanse me. You know, uh, first of all, I come to grips with my sin, and then I can rely on, God's going to do his part. I can rely on God to cleanse me. Back to verse 9, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, don't try to make excuses and hide them or cover them up. If we confess our sins, he, God, 
is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who deserves forgiveness? Not me. Not you. But the good news is that forgiveness is never given on the basis of who deserves it. It's given on the basis of God's faithfulness. He is faithful and just to forgive us, right? You can't earn God's forgiveness. You can only receive it. So think about this. Once we get past trying to earn that which is only, he is only willing to give, then we experience freedom. Once we try, stop trying to be good enough and make excuses for, and I'm at least as good as this person, grading on the curve and all that kind of stuff. Once we get past all that, trying to earn that which he's only willing to give, then we can experience freedom. Many Christians doubt that they're forgiven because they're not sure they did a good enough job. They worked hard enough at repenting, you know. Did I, did I convince God that I was really sorry? Did I cry loud enough? Did I feel guilty enough? Did I confess earnestly enough? Did I earn God's forgiveness? No. No, you didn't. No, you can't. No, you don't deserve God's forgiveness, but you can have it because God is faithful. God said he would forgive you, and that's the guarantee you need. We didn't read anything in 1 John chapter 2, but I'm going to read you a couple of verses. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says this. Hardest, hardest word in the, God, in the book of 1 John. And he himself, Jesus, is the propitiation. Isn't that a wonderful word? It means the atoning sacrifice. It means what takes care of, what pays the price of, what covers over. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. When Jesus died on the cross, it took care of everything. It was enough to pay for your salvation, for your forgiveness, for your sins, past, present, and future. You don't have to earn it. You can only receive it. It's not just for you. It's for the whole world. This is where people stumble. You know, we struggle with this. We say, if forgiveness is freely given, and all I have to do is ask, what's to prevent me from sinning over and over and over again with wild abandon. And I just go back, oh, sorry, God. Oh, sorry, hope. What's present prevent me from that? Let me mention a couple of things. First of all, the consequences should be enough to prevent you from doing stuff like that. There are consequences for doing wrong things. What at first seems to be an indulgence in pleasure becomes an inescapable prison. You know, we decide... I know this is probably wrong, but it's just my little thing and not going to hurt anything. It, we don't control it for very long. Pretty quick, it controls us. Ask someone who has sinned with abandon how it worked for them. And I'm not just talking about alcohol, drugs, and illicit sex. I'm talking about all the things that we just get a little bit of pleasure out of feeling sorry for myself, gossiping, lying, you know, think about all those things that we might do uh, with abandon. Take a look at those who gossip and see what kind of price they pay. Take a look at those who thought they could indulge their temper and just get mad whenever they felt like it and see, how, see what they face. So there are consequences, and the consequences should be enough to prevent you from sinning with abandon, but there's something bigger than that. And this is the second thing, and it's actually a consequence, but it's so big that it has to be mentioned separately. The second, deeper reason 
Why we don't indulge sin is because it breaks our fellowship with God. And you may think that's not a big deal, but it is the biggest deal on the planet. It breaks our fellowship with God. Walking in the light, walking in close connection with God is such a great experience that the so-called pleasures of the world just pale in comparison. Sin isn't worth the price you have to pay. Let's, let's give an example of that. Let's say a person loves to gossip. That is, just tell stuff about people for the pleasure of passing it along, whether it's, it's uh, true or whether it's not true. Let's say this person gets certain pleasure when he hears something bad about somebody. Gets even greater pressure, pleasure when he gets a chance to pass that along. By the way, the sin of gossip is put on the same level with murder and, and, and sexual sins and so forth uh, in Scripture. So day after day, this guy who's, you know, he's kind of proud of himself. He's a spiritual guy. He looks really spiritual when he shows up for church on Sunday. Day after day, uh, this, this guy looks for bad things or looks for stuff he can pass along, juicy little tidbits he can pass along. Day after day, he takes secret pleasure in the misfortune of other people. Day after day, little by little, the light fades from his existence. He loses the joy of his fellowship with Jesus. He loses the joy of his fellowship with others because people don't want to be around him anymore. People don't trust him. He tells stuff. People don't like him because he thinks he knows more than anybody else does. He breaks hearts and ruins lives with his careless words. His prayers become powerless. He doesn't get answers anymore. He lacks the wisdom to make good decisions, so he's getting himself in trouble in other places. He becomes bitter because he sees Christianity working for others, but it doesn't seem to be working for him. That's what happens when we decide that we're just going, this is my little thing here, and nobody knows about it. I'm just going to do it. If this guy asks forgiveness, will God forgive him? Absolutely. Absolutely will. If he goes out and gossips again the very next day, will God still forgive him? Absolutely. Sure will. But if he does it again and again and again and again and he keeps going back to God, will God forgive him? Yes. But isn't he getting away with something when he does that? No. He's miserable. His life is meaningless. That's not beating the system. That's getting beat up. We look at it as getting away, but you're not getting away with anything. What you're doing is losing the real joy of life. Compare that guy with the person whose sole desire is to live in the light of God's truth. He struggles. We all struggle with sin from time to time. It breaks his heart whenever he falls into sin. He wants to get rid of the sin in his life because he understands that, that sin can only destroy. It destroys his fellowship with God. It destroys his relationship with other people. And for him, sin is not a question of, I can get away with this because God will forgive me. It's a matter of, I don't want to do any, uh, anything to do with it because I want to be closer to God and I want to be closer to the people that are important in my life. And so he spends his, his life in the light. He has a good relationship with God and with his Christian friends. He has a, a dynamic devotional life when he sits down to read God's word and pray and talk to God uh, it means something. He sees prayers answered on a consistent basis. He receives direction from God and wisdom to make important decisions. He's accomplishing something with his life. He lives in the light. That's the difference. That's the difference between indulging sin and saying, well, I can just ask God to forgive me. 
This is what God wants for us. His whole purpose in fixing the sin problem was not so we could beat the system. It wasn't so we could just keep going back over and over again, but so that we could live in fellowship with him. That's why God forgives our sin, so we can live in fellowship, walk in the light with him. Now, God will forgive you, and many times you need to forgive and be forgiven. You don't have to worry about that. Well, I got that, that's 15th time today, so I guess God is just going to give up on me. No, God will forgive you as many times as you need to be forgiven because his ultimate goal is that you become so at home in the light of his love that sin loses its appeal to you. He's always there for you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says this, my little children. Remember, John's an old man. He's in his 90s. <laughs> Everybody else is a little child him by this time. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. So I don't want you to sin at all. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, righteous. We have somebody in heaven that speaks on our behalf if we sin, an advocate, and it's Jesus. Let me give you the truth about forgiveness. The truth about forgiveness is that God forgives us totally, completely, and without reservation. I don't know, maybe totally and completely, maybe that's redundant, but if, any, if there's a good place to be redundant, it's right here. The truth about forgiveness is that God forgives us totally, completely, and without reservation. His goal is that you learn to walk in the light and to become like him in the process. Now, the problem of sin, past, present, and future, has been solved by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not only for your sins, but for the sins of the whole world. God will forgive you as many times as is necessary because his goal for you goes way beyond wiping the slate clean, way beyond etch-a-sketch. He wants you to learn to walk in the light. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He wants you to live in a right relationship, not only with him, but in a right relationship with his people. He wants you to experience his power. He wants you to know his wisdom. He wants you to experience his presence and the fullness of him. He wants you to become accustomed to living in the light It'll no longer be a question of how much can I get away with? That's, that's kid stuff. How much can I get away with? It becomes a question of how much sin can I get rid of? How can I get closer to God and to the people that I love? That's because nothing in the world compares with the brilliance of walking in the light of God. And here's what I just read to you. The truth about forgiveness is that God forgives us totally, completely, without reservation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We don't understand all the dynamics of that all the time, but we know that we need to be forgiven. And we know what it's like to indulge ourselves and get ourselves into even deeper trouble. And we thank you that you know that and you care about that. And so I ask you now to draw us to you and give us the wisdom and the grace that we need to, com to, co to completely commit ourselves to you and to confess our sin. In Jesus' name, amen.